Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Hey there, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, guys. Today, we are going to dig into problem solving. Uh, The fact of the matter is that as much as we love this career and as much as we love building our own businesses, building our own careers, being in charge of all that, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. This is still real life. life. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. And and stuff will come up. Um, the, the challenge is, is that I think for pretty much every human being, uh, the challenge is that when things go wrong, the tendency often is to panic. And to freak go, out! Le ah! <laughs> freak, c'est chic. Uh, but unfortunately, freaking out is not chic. In fact, it is the opposite of chic. And uh, it's going to, it's going to, Either if not if not hold you stuck in a place of panic, it might uh, hold you back because you're not taking actions that can get you back in line with where you need to be in your business. So today, we are going to uh, give you a set of tools to look at your business and figure out what the problems are and figure out exactly how to solve those problems. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, this framework can be used for basically anything in life where there's problem solving. We're going to focus on copywriting scenarios, but do know that. I feel like this is this is a universal tool. Yes, I agree. I agree. I will use this myself when I'm puzzling through things on the other brands, when I'm puzzling through things just in, in life in general. I completely agree. Good point, Kate. Okay, so the first thing to start out with when you're going, oh no, I have this, and we'll you know talk about different uh, potential issues that you could come across as, as examples. But the first thing when you notice that something is is not going according to plan in your business, maybe you are here. I am talking about examples right now, but maybe you are you're realizing you're making less 
than you thought you were would be making, or you're making less than you uh, need to be making or want to be making, um, or you are you had been getting a lot of work and then all of a sudden you notice that uh, projects are projects are, are finishing up and there's no additional work coming in to, to backfill all that space. Um, you're posting a ton on social media, but you're feeling like nothing's coming through from that effort and that work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you turned in a bunch of copywriting projects and it feels like every single one of them has a ton of edits from your clients and you're just starting to question, mm. am I even cut out for this? Is this even right for me? Um, or my favorite, you haven't taken a vacation in a while and you just start to question whether copywriting is the career for you. That's Believe me. <laughs> I do that about once every, I don't know, three years or so. I'm due. Watch out, Nikki. I'm due. (laughs) Super. Yeah, that's the that's the case to Char's way. The uh, maybe I should just leave this completely. Maybe just become a veterinarian. No, 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 no. Maybe take a vacation. Yeah, Uh, maybe take. Which is not to say that there aren't always going to be times that that I, I joke about this that my I fantasize about working at a bread shop. There's. Hmm. wherever you are in your life, you're going to have amazing days. And some days you're going to be like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And then I fantasize about going and working in a bread shop where all you have to do is ask, do you want this sliced or not? And then you give them their bread. Um, But then you use this framework and you realize that you actually love copywriting. It's not copywriting's fault. Oh, I can solve this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So whatever the problem is, again, this is applicable to many, many things. The first thing is to start by viewing it objectively and asking questions that will get you there objectively. So, And not for- to even be more, this might seem obvious, but I feel like even the first step is just recognizing it, right? Like that you're feeling this feeling of like, ah! Usually it sounds yes. like that. It's a panic. It's an SOS. It's anxiety. It's an elevated heart rate. It's discomfort. And so even just stopping to like, understand that you're feeling a little off and oh yeah I'm feeling crummy like I think that's even like the I know that sounds silly but just starting to notice when this actually happens in your life so that you can then go on to step one of addressing it that's such a great point because it's it's an indicator that when you're starting to feel crummy you're starting to feel nervous you're starting to feel ooh a little weird um, it's an indicator that maybe there's something that needs to be changed or fixed or or dealt with um, and also you can feel those feelings but you don't need to linger in those feelings as you're going through this process as much as possible we're going to recommend that you yes if you're feeling anxious you're feeling say all right you know what I, I feel anxious and I, I that's fine but for the next half hour I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing here. I can go ahead and feel anxious again in a half hour, 30 minutes. I can come back to that anxiety, which sounds very silly, but it actually, it really works to be like, all right, I I feel anxious because often there's something in us that's like, well, you have to feel anxious so you can solve the problem. That's not actually how it works. Being anxious doesn't solve anything. Worrying doesn't solve anything. But if your mind is already thinking you have to be anxious to solve it, you can say, all right, no problem, mind. That's, That's fine. You can be anxious again in a half hour, but for this half hour, we are going to focus on this process that Kate and Nikki took us through. Uh, the first thing is to is to be completely objective. What do you know for sure about the situation? What do you know are absolute facts? 
months. So um, going back to the example of, well, I worked a lot last month, but I didn't actually make that much. What are the facts? Uh, Facts would be, um, okay, I worked 41 hours that first week. I worked 42 hours the second week. I worked 38 hours the third week. I worked 36 hours the fourth, something like that. And facts would be, all right, and I made, this was the income for, for the entire month. So those are the facts. What are not facts are, oh, the client just made me feel so, um, made me feel so, so guilty for not taking this work on. Or, or oh, well, I was afraid to say no. It's a, those were, those are your feelings, right? But they're not objective outside of you. They're not your, necessarily data points, black yes. and white data points. Yes. And your feelings are valid, certainly, but but they're not, they're not, uh, they're not completely objective. Those are and subjective. They're, they're moldable. Your feelings, we have, I know we don't always use this power, but we do have the power to change how we feel about things that we, we obviously, your initial reaction, can you help that? Not necessarily. And so you feel whatever way, but then to, to shift your mindset to say, okay, this, that, this felt crumpy, crummy, but here's, here's how I'm going to shift this. So we do Versus facts, which are like, you, you can't change the number that you earned in a month. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't say, I made five extra dollars. It didn't, yeah, if that didn't happen. So I don't know if that's helpful, in, I guess, in terms of thinking of facts versus our feelings of things that are actually, can be molded, can be shifted, can be changed versus things that just, if you worked 41 hours last week, you can't add five extra hours that you worked last week when it's already in the past. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're things that there's no other way of interpreting them, right? Like when mm-hmm. we talk about feelings, it, it's so funny how how feelings can, can affect situation. Like if you're having a great day and a client shoots you an email and says, hey, do you have five minutes to hop on a call? If you're having a great sure. day, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. I got time. No problem. Chat with client. If you're having a crummy day and a client says, hey, do you have five minutes to hop on a call? You might go, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. What's going on? Something went wrong. It's, and it's all, it's all interpretations, right? But so for this first level, you're starting out with what are the objective facts about the situation? Or, you know, for example, if, if like, okay, well, I've been working with four clients. Client one's project ends on... June 2nd. Client two's project ends on client on, on June whenever. Do I have new work starting X date? And these are the amount of it's all just the objective facts because that's where you're going to start out with you're, you're getting the lay of the land. The next question is to ask yourself, all right, what is the problem here? Or what what am I looking to solve? What is, I won't even say what's working, but but truly what what problem am I having with this? So, for example, when we go back to the, the well, I worked this amount of time and I, I uh, if you're in your head panicking about like, well, I worked these hours and I feel like I should have made more money, da, da, da. looking at the objective, I worked this number of hours that month and that's the amount of money that I made. Maybe the problem is, okay, I made that amount of money, but I need to be making or I want to be making whatever that number is. I want to be making X amount for working those same hours. So, the again, the problem, you want to keep that as objective as possible as well. Yeah. And you might have layered problems in the sense that there might be multiple problems. So for example, if I I didn't, I need to make this much money is the problem. You know, you have a certain number you have to hit to pay your bills and mortgage or whatever. Um, 
you might also though say, problem, I worked 50 hours and I can really only work 40 or whatever it was. So that might be another problem in terms of the amount of time you're you're working. Yeah. As you're looking through this, look at all of the objective elements of this, of this problem. What makes this a problem? And then go through, and I call them symptoms, but I guess it's more kind of the, the factors that, that go into it. All right. Well, well, what, what got me to this place? Well, this client asked for this additional work. Okay. Well, I talked to this client and I didn't realize that this pro they thought this project included this, but it actually included, or but this part of the project was actually a lot more than I realized it would be. Start listing out, and again, objectively, not like the client made me feel, or if you're thinking, wow, the client made me feel guilty, so I did it. The 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 uh, objective, yes, yeah. exactly. The symptom you didn't the, hold a boundary. Yeah, the this what happened was the client made you feel guilty, and what you did was because that what you did is the actual fact, right? So again, we're we're trying to get set that anxiety and set the set set any guilt or set anything aside so that you can look objectively at what actually happened or is happening in the scenario all of the elements this is the main problem but what are all of the elements that may have contributed to that and again you're setting aside any emotion the client made me feel this yes i understand but we're looking for what objectively happened because of it because as you start to to list out these problems and list out the the symptoms the factors that contribute to those problems you're going to start being able to to come up with what i would then call hypotheses or possible scenarios to fix it right if you're you're looking at your schedule and you're going okay well i i worked x amount of hours and i didn't make enough okay so what possible scenarios do we have one possible scenario. And again, just list out the possible scenarios. You don't hang your hat on anything. Certainly add notes if you want to. One possible scenario might be that you're not charging enough for your hourly work, right? That's certainly one possible scenario. Um, another possible scenario is that you are, you're working for hours that you're not charging for right? Client work comes in and you just kind of, or client calls and you didn't factor that into your project or, or any number of those things. Another possible scenario, um, you didn't factor in how big this project was going to be when you were, uh, when you were figuring out your rate for it. It turned out that it's actually a much bigger project, or maybe you forgot to factor in editing or forgot to factor in meetings or, or that kind of thing. Um, another the timeline could have gone yes. off. And then you said maybe no to another client project because you thought this timeline was a certain timeline or you didn't mm -hmm. build in buffer time and sleep on it time for various things. And so the timeline got mm -hmm. crunched or it got again, expanded because scope changed and maybe you didn't submit a change of scope of work if the, the project became bigger than it actually was. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Clients started asking for more than what you actually agreed to. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So list out all of these possible kind of hypotheses for what could have happened. And then again, go through them objectively. Like, is it true that I'm just not charging an hourly rate? Well, or not charging a high enough hourly rate? Well, 
well, when I figure out my project rate, I use uh, an hour, my hourly rate of 65. So, and that's my standard rate. That's should be the, that should be enough for me to, to be happy with, to be making plenty. Again, these are just uh, possible numbers, whatever your number is, but okay. So then it's not that the hourly rate isn't high enough. So great hypothesis. We're going to set that one to the side. Okay. Evaluate the next one. Is it that, I forget exactly what our next one was, but is it that I didn't factor in meeting times or all of these kinds emails of things? Emails that take five minutes emails. here, five minutes there. And really take a look at your time because if you're actually working 40 hours a week charging $65 and your income doesn't match that of 40 times 65, I don't know what that number is. Let's get a calculator. <laughs> I could do that math, but on the spot. So $2,600 for whatever that time, you know, a week, I guess, 40 hours mm-hmm. a week, $65. If you didn't have $2,600, obviously minus anything you're setting aside for taxes, we're talking gross income yeah. here. If that's not accounted for in your numbers, then something's off. If you only have 1800 then okay, that's a problem to me would say you are missing their holes. You are not accounting for a certain number of hours that you should be accounting for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or exactly. you think it feels like you're working 40 hours, but maybe you're not actually working 40 hours if that's you know what you end up billing because that can feel like it a lot of times. There are days like right now, we'll get off this recording this podcast and I'll be like, Friday's done, right? I worked eight hours. No, Excuse friends. me? <laughs> just kidding, I've just worked gonna... three right now. <laughs> it's only noon. So... It can often, honestly, it can feel that way a lot of times where you're like, oh, I put in, yeah, I've put in this amount of time. And no, maybe it's just that that was a mentally taxing project and you need to account for that. That's a great point. That's another data point. You may be making an assumption about how many hours you're working. You may be going, well, I worked nine to six every single day. Go back and take a look. Like how many times did you actually pick up your phone and then before you realize it, you've been on Instagram for 45 minutes or, well, yeah, I was, but then after I got off that client call, I made some lunch and then I did some laundry and then I came back to my desk an hour and a half later. And we're not saying certainly that that you have to be working every single hour. Yes. Do those things. Take a break. But it needs to be factored in. You may be thinking, I worked 45 hours. And when you actually look at the number of hours that you worked, it could be it could be closer to 30. But that's another great data point. And again, it's objective. How many hours did you actually spend working? And don't get us wrong. Yes, some of that time should be spent like looking out the window and thinking, mm-hmm. like brainstorming for client stuff, going, taking, going, all right, I need to think about this, going for a walk around the block. And, the, and yes, quite frankly, sometimes I will, when I'm concepting or doing, I will do laundry or something just to do something different, but I am thinking. Um, but there are also plenty of times during the day and I'm working on it, we all are, we where are, yeah. I, I get lost in Instagram or I get lost in, you know, all of these kinds of things. But that's another objective data point. When you have all of these pieces and you're looking at them objectively, this is where you can start to make decisions that will change the outcome, right? It's only when you know what is really happening in a situation that you can look at it objectively and go, oh, okay, 
I see this is a problem here. You know, we were we were talking with one of our students and she said, "No, I absolutely have boundaries with my clients. I'm working a ton, working way too much, but I absolutely have boundaries with my clients." And what it turned out was was she had boundaries, but she wasn't enforcing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I say this with so much love. We we love her and this is it's a learning opportunity so for common. her and for yeah. all of us. Um but having boundaries is one thing, but not enforcing them is a totally other thing. It's if you say to a client, yeah, I'm not going to take that. I can't take this work if it comes in past Wednesday. But if they give it to you on Thursday and they say, can you, can, is there any way that you can fit it in? And then you fit it in. Guess what? Those aren't boundaries. (laughs) And that is how work can, that's how a 40 hour week can become a 50 hour week. So again, these are things that to look at objectively. And then these give you the opportunity to go, okay, where can I make changes to solve these problems? So again, it's what in each of these, what have I truly identified? And it, it, like Kate was saying, sometimes a, a single problem can have a bunch of different factors that, that uh, add to it, that contribute to it. So with each one, of the things that you know, like, okay, absolutely, that is one of the factors. No, it's not my hourly rate. My hourly rate is fine. However, the way that I'm the way that I'm scheduled or the way that I'm estimating my projects, I have a problem there. Okay, well, the the time that I've been thinking that I'm working is not actually all work time. I've actually been kind of wasting a little bit of time and thinking of that as work time instead of or actually- on the other hand, not accounting for all of yes. that work time and saying, oh, yep, this is what it took me to do the project. Oh, I found all of these other 15 minutes here, five minutes here, five minutes there, this email, this email. Oh, that adds up to a couple of hours worth of time over the course of a project that I'm just not accounting for. So then knowing how to readjust your project rate when you're quoting to actually account Mm -hmm. for all of those hours. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or I've been, oh, you know what? I've been accommodating clients. I've been doing things outside of the boundaries that I set. I've been doing kind of special rush jobs that I haven't charged for as rush jobs. Or I've been doing extra edits after they've approved it just because I'm a nice person, but you're doing all this extra work that you're not getting paid for. And as you go through and see where all these problems are, it's going to become very clear exactly what is contributing to this main problem. Uh, and like we said, this is then you go, all right, this is, this is the hypothesis. I know that this is contributing to it. So what do I now need to do instead? And that's kind of the 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 last step is the, okay, my hourly rates are good. However, I've been seeing that as I've been factoring in my project rate, I have not been factoring in adequate times for meetings. I haven't been factoring in adequate time for, for brainstorming. I haven't been factoring in adequate, adequate time for edits or for, for any number of things. Or this client, and I, I kind of had a sense for it when I had the kickoff call, but this client needs a lot more handholding. And I didn't factor that in because I was afraid because I really, really wanted to land this client. But this client needs a lot more handholding, so I need to make sure to factor that. I need to listen to my gut and I need to, to factor that in. That's one element. And again, it's each one of these things as you identify objectively what the problem was, what the, the, the symptom was, the factor, then you can say, all right, how do I fix it? What is the, what is the step to take? And yes, yeah, some of them are going to be like, oh yeah, I do need to factor that. And some of it, like we were talking about boundaries, some of that might be a little bit less comfortable. I mean, we all want to be like, we want people to like us. Mm-hmm. 
But if we're not enforcing our boundaries, if we're working well beyond the hours that we told our clients that we would work, or if we're doing extra work for our clients just to be nice, that's going to, that's going to, to compound and that's going to end up with us working way too much for way too little. Yeah. And quite frankly, I would make the shift from, we all want to be liked. Yes. But when you're thinking about your clients, you want to be respected by your clients. You want them to respect you for your work. And as part of that as a professional. And so if you start thinking of that, it makes enforcing the boundaries a little more comfortable because you think, okay, I want my client to respect me. And by enforcing my boundary, they will respect me because I'm enforced. And if they don't, that's not a client you want to work with. We always say that, but they're, if you're working with good clients there, and most of them are, they understand too, because they have boundaries they should be enforcing. So if anything, they'll look at that and say, wow, good for them for actually, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. I see that with myself with working when our, our teammates set boundaries. It's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's awesome. Good for them. Mm-hmm. It's not something your clients are going to fault you for by any means, especially when you, as long as you're communicating it up front of here's how my process is. And if you don't get this to me by this date, then I won't be able to make this deadline and they miss their deadline. You're perfectly in line enforcing it because you already communicated that to them. Mm -hmm. So I would make the shift from, I want my clients to respect me, not like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing is too, is that yes, when you maybe bend over backwards and do something special for a client, they may say, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much. Certainly they will appreciate it. However, as soon as your client, and they might not even do this consciously, but as soon as a client knows that your boundaries are not firm, then they're going to push it a little bit more. I've, I've been at companies where you know, someone will say, oh yeah, so-and-so said they, they needed to have it by by Wednesday. And I've heard someone say, yeah, 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 but they said that last time and they absolutely turned around for it as for, turned it around for us anyway. So just send it through when when we've got it. They'll probably be able to do that for us. That's just how human beings work, right? <laughs> but those boundaries help your clients stay on track and they help ensure that you don't get overloaded because you can't be the one to always take on the, the catch up for everybody else. You, first of all, you don't have time to. You have other clients. Even if you don't have time to, that time is allocated in different ways. You are not just... You do not have 24 hours a day, seven days a week to just take on client work. You have to have a life. And if you are, if client work is always bleeding into your your living hours, you have a problem. Yeah, and quite and, frankly, I know we used as an example the you know I'm I, the problem is that I, I made this much money and I need this much money for for to to meet my my goals or what I what I need to live. Uh, the opposite, though, is often I feel like using this system for you're you're hitting your financial goals just fine. You have too much work, though, yeah. and so when you have too much work, you're going to want to go through this process as well to say, how did this happen? How did I get too much work that I'm working? Even if you're not working, you know, crazy hours, but it just feels like too much work to in a crunch space. Mm-hmm. Go through this process to look at is it the timeline? Is it the Projects, what were the symptoms? Did did clients come last minute? Did deadlines shift? Did project timelines shift? And what can you do then to put parameters in place so that that doesn't happen moving forward? Because otherwise, this is a 
having too much work as a spiral. You, people who are just starting out might not not think that this is true, but it's it will happen to you. I promise that you will get to a point, and and you might think it's a one off, but it is a spiral that's hard to get out of because you just keep saying yes to work and keep taking on work, and then you still have all of these problems and you're wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the cash is nice enough to make up for that, but you're somehow burned out, miserable in some ways of like, wait, I thought I thought I was going to have more time as a copywriter. Well, yeah, but yeah. you can. Yeah, you exactly. just need to go through this framework to make what? sure you're, you're setting up your business in the right way. Exactly. And, and you can start this process by, you can start this process with a feeling before you get into the objective things, right? Like, I feel like I'm doing way too much posting on social media, or I feel like social media is taking over, taking over my life. Okay. This is something we're going to, we're going to figure it out. So objectively, what are the objective elements of this? What is the objective problem? How okay. much am I posting on social media? Exactly. What days of a week? How much time is it taking me to create the copy? And if you're doing the creative yourself too, uh, all of those factors. Mm-hmm. And what results am I yeah. getting from How this? How many leads did I get from this? How many clients did I land because of this? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as you look through this, you go, oh, yeah, I've been spending 10 hours a week on social media and I haven't gotten a client from social media yet, or something along those lines, which of course then we look into, all right, how can I dial back my social media, if not stop it completely, or at least dial it back significantly so that I can spend more time on tasks that will actually get me. And there's another one, right? All right. Oh, I'm feeling nervous because, um, because I don't have a lot of work coming in. Okay. What is the objective problem? Well, after next Friday, I don't have any other projects lined up. Okay objective truth. You're feeling nervous. We're going to set that aside for a moment. After next Friday, you don't have any projects lined up. Okay. Objective truth. You can talk about, you know, I worked with this client and that project ended here. I worked with this client and that project ended here. Okay. So what other things? All right. I have sent out, how many pitches have I sent out? Okay. I haven't sent out any pitches. How many repitch, how much repitching have I done to previous clients? Okay. I haven't done any repitching to previous clients. And as you go through, it's not a, oh my God, what do I have to do? I have to get work coming out. When you look at it objectively, you go, oh, okay, well, I don't have any work coming in because I haven't been doing any pitching and I haven't been doing any repitching. So what do I have to do? What is my next step forward? Well, I need to do some pitching. I need to do some repitching. And even the same thing, like I've been sending out pitches and I haven't been getting, I haven't been, this, this is the panic, right? The, I've been sending out pitches and, and nobody's been getting in touch with me. Okay, great. So first of all, objectively. And this is something we see with students across our brands, right? I've been doing so much work and I haven't been getting, nobody's been getting back to me. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this to mock anybody because we all get in our heads and are like, ah, um, I will certainly do the same thing. Um, but I've been sending out pitches and nobody's getting back to me. Okay. Well, first of all, how many pitches have you sent out? Okay. And sometimes students will be like, I've sent out 20. Often it'll be like, I sent out five. Okay. Sent out five. Okay. And how many follow-ups did you send? Okay. Mm. Often it will be, oh, I haven't sent out any. Okay, well. And how much time have you spent thinking about why they haven't gotten back to you? Mm-hmm. What time yeah. have you wasted, I'm going to use that word, mm-hmm. not actually doing anything mm-hmm. and just kind of perseverating on, well, maybe, well, they opened it, which a lot yeah. of the, the software out there don't even bother because a lot of it auto opens or... Um, it is no indication there's so many different variables that there's no point in spending mm-hmm. time thinking about what's going on in someone's head. Yeah. What do you have control over? You mm-hmm. have control over how many pitches you send, the follow-ups you send, how you write it, 
getting feedback for CCA students, yeah. you know, you can get feedback. So Exactly. Exactly. Well, I've been sending the same pitch. Okay. Have I gotten any feedback on it in the CCA group? Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten any feedback on it in the CCA group. But look at the objective factors. And it might be, it might be, well, I've sent out 25 pitches and I have, and I've been sending out my follow-ups and I haven't been hearing from anyone. I've been sending it to this kind of client. It may be, and first of all, to, maybe it's time to put it, put your pitch in the CCA group and get some feedback because maybe some some salesiness has snuck in there that you're not even realizing. That's one of the things that we see a lot. Maybe you're sending it to clients who are just, you're sending it all to one type of client and maybe it's that time of year, that type of client is not going to be doing marketing stuff um, or it could be any number of things, but you can't figure this out unless you're looking at all, looking at it all objectively or as we often see, it'll be like, well, I sent out five pitches and I haven't heard anything. Okay. Well, first of all, how long ago was that? Did you send out those five pitches? Also, did you send follow-ups? Well, no, I didn't send follow-ups. Okay. Or it's been two days. That's great. Like some people need a week, two weeks. They need a reminder. They need that follow-up. That's why we send follow-ups. It's not going to be an instant gratification thing 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But whichever, what, whatever it ends up being, whatever the facts end up being, once you have the facts, you know, you can figure out what you need to objectively do to move forward. Not just sit there and panic and go, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do because because yes, absolutely. Take a moment to, to feel your feelings. We're not at all saying don't feel your feelings. But when you know the objective facts, you can come up with the steps to move forward that will will help you course correct a little bit. Again, whether it's I'm sending 20 pitches and I haven't gotten, okay, these are the things that you can do to move forward for. Well, oh, I've only sent five pitches. Okay, well, these are the things that you can do to move forward there. But you can't make these decisions and you can't move forward in your business when you are sitting in a state of panic. Something's not working. The thing is, is that when it comes down to it, business is not, it's not magical. It's not, uh, it's, it's, yes, luck can help, certainly. And I won't say that well, you, there will be serendipitous times that you, you know, you're talking to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, our company needs a copywriter. That will happen. But, but the rest of the time, at least 95% of the time, business is not magical. It's very predictable. And it actually has a lot to do with, with concrete actions and with numbers. You know, in, in business, we call your numbers, your metrics. What are your metrics? How many pitches are you sending out? How much money are you actually making per hour? How many hours are you working? How many um, follow-ups are you sending out? How- Which speaking of metrics, when you're doing anything, calculate your hourly rate, even for things that you're not billing clients for. So if you're sending 10 hours on social media, your hourly rate say 65 bucks, 65 times 10 hours on social media, you're spending $650, say a week on social media. So that's money you're spending because that's money you're not using that time, your time, $65 an hour to generate income. And so if that is having a return on that $650 spend and you landed a client project through that for $2,000 or whatever, great. That was a great use of time because you're still netting what did I say? $2,000. So it was $1,400, around $1,400, whatever. Um, you're still, that that was good use of time. But if you're doing $650, say you're doing it for a month and you've landed no projects. So 650 times four weeks in a month, that's thousands of dollars now mm-hmm. that is being, you're spending as your business on efforts that aren't bringing you a return. So 
be watching this, be tracking your time, even for activities that aren't client project, you know, revenue, revenue, are they generating revenue essentially? What are your Mm -hmm. activities that you're doing for your business and is it generating revenue? So not just the work that you're tracking for clients, but all of the other things that you have to do or want to do for your business. How many hours of that times your rate and what is the return on all of that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The The truth is, is that there's no problem in your business that can't be fixed. And, and I hope that makes everybody feel really good. Wherever you are, whatever you are facing, whatever is giving you a little bit of anxiety, there's nothing that can't be fixed. And I will also tell you that whatever your goal is, it is absolutely possible to get there. And in fact, I would say most people should have slightly higher goals. Um, you could probably get to those higher goals even a lot faster than you think you can. It, it's all it's all perfectly possible. And every every I don't it's I, I know we've been calling the problem, so I guess I should continue with but but every problem, every issue, challenge roadblock, challenge, hiccup. roadblock, hiccup, all of them can be fixed. And we wanted to to bring this episode to you because as humans the first thing that we tend to do, and some of us will stay there, is panic, is worry and go, oh, and just spend time spinning our wheels and perseverating. And, and that is what's not going to solve your problem. If you spend all of your time in panic, if you spend all of your time scared, if you spend all of your time worried, nothing will come from that. That is where you're going to say, if you're spending all of your time panicked and worried instead of instead of doing things to fix those issues, that's when you're that's when your problems are going to start to compound. And quite frankly, none of us can afford for any of our problems to compound. On the other hand, though, when you go, all right, oh, I'm anxious about something. What's going on? Okay. This is what's bothering me. Set aside those feelings for a moment and then break down the the objective realities, the truth, and all of the all the possibilities that's when you're going to be able to break through and and solve your problems. And again, like Kate said, whether it's business problems or whether it's whether it's life problems, um, looking at the actual facts and and working on the facts and working on the possibilities from the facts, that's how you're going to break through and solve those problems. So probably we've probably given you a lot to think about today, um, but hopefully also a lot that you can actually use. Uh, you know that we are always big on, on tangible, actionable, I guess maybe not tangible, but actionable, uh, actionable things in your business. And uh, this should be something that you come back to again and again, this process. Because again, no, no business is perfect. No life is perfect. Stuff's going to come up. But coming back to this process again and again should help you move through any issues you face as quickly as possible. So that's what we have for you. Um, Drop us a line if this was helpful. Leave a quote, leave a quote, leave a comment, leave a, send us a message, DM us, shoot us an email, all that kind of stuff. Let us know if this was helpful for you. Um, And then of course with that, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye everybody. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.